A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, this is Victoria Meyer. Welcome to The Chemical Show. This week, I am presenting a solo podcast, and the focus is on sustainability. As I record this, we are wrapping up Earth Week. Some people call it Earth Month, and there's also Earth Day. But in any case, April seems to be a month that's really focused across the world on sustainability in the Earth and what we're doing. And it seems like a really good time to be talking about the evolving approaches to sustainability in the chemical industry. And what I really want to focus in on are three strategies or approaches that companies across the chemical industry are taking when we start focusing on sustainability. But first, let's talk a little bit about sustainability because it's an area that's evolved quite a lot. And when we talk to people 10, 15 years ago, I think when I first really started hearing about companies and I was at Shell at the time talking about sustainability, I didn't fully understand it. Today, where we are, we've got the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, which are 17 goals that are focusing on areas around environmental, areas that are about reducing poverty and the impact that we have in the world on people, as well as things like carbon and greenhouse gas emissions. I think when we talk about sustainability in the chemical industry, we're often really focused on the environmental aspects of it. And that's what I'm going to focus in on today. And it covers areas around greenhouse gas emissions and carbon capture and recycling and other things. To a large extent, there's two areas that companies really talk about and seem to be focused on when we talk about sustainability. And that's really, again, it's greenhouse gas emissions. And then it's really about recycling and sustainability in plastics. Plastics is the focus area, right? And so our focus is a lot of times on solid materials Because they are readily recognizable in the environment, they are readily recognizable to consumers, including us, uh, people inside the chemical industry who are in and of ourselves consumers of chemical products. Why is this so critical? I mean, I think in the last two years, we've seen such a heightened focus on sustainability, on our major chemical companies taking action, and in particular, the plastics companies, the folks that are producing polyethylene and polypropylene and polypet and why. And so a big part of this is fundamentally, ethylene is the backbone of the chemical value chain. 60% of ethylene goes into polyethylene. So that's a whole heck of a lot of value and product that goes there. Another 15% or thereabout goes into MEG, which goes into PET, which often is seen as both in durable goods, as well as in plastic bottles, et cetera. So there's this whole aspect of visibility and there's a whole aspect of demand and it's really about right, continuing to have a license to operate in the world today and in the future. And frankly, we're all citizens of earth and we need to start protecting it and acting that way, et cetera. And and I think there's just this whole recognition and enlightenment that has taken place. 
one of the real challenges, and when I talk to people across the industry, when they talk about it, the challenge is scale. So there are some really ambitious targets about net zero, reduction of greenhouse gas, about increasing the amount of recycled material or recyclable material that are in consumer packaging and other things. And yet we have a challenge of scale. There's not a sufficient amount of physical recycling to get back the finished goods, whether they be bottles or films or anything into the recycling system. There is just vast array. It's a huge fragmentation in mechanical recycling and collection across the world, right? This is a global issue. This is not, it's local and it's regional. It's very personal, but the reality is it's also a really global issue. Across the world, we have an insufficient amount of collection and mechanical recycling that enable the next piece, which is around advanced recycling. And advanced recycling is a critical protocol, I guess, and focus area for the chemical industry and for our plastics manufacturers, because it takes what is many times viewed as unrecyclable material. Because of course, one of the challenges in recycling is things like contamination, food waste, other things that are retained on the materials that you want to be recycling and advanced recycling through the process. Actually, you can work through that. You don't have the same concerns about food contamination, other contamination, because the process itself cleanses, clarifies, cleans it up and puts it back into a state of chemical feedstocks that can be then used for more plastics, more materials, more things that frankly, as a world we rely on. And then of course, the challenge is 2025 is coming quickly. And so is 2030. And that's where a lot of these targets are set across the industry not just in the industry, the governmental regulations, et cetera, to try to meet sustainability targets. So what I really want to talk about today, though, is three strategies and approaches that companies are taking when they look at sustainability and how they are tackling the challenge and the opportunity of sustainability and sustainable chemicals in keeping that going. So the first one is collaboration. One of the things I've been hearing everywhere. When I talk to people, when I talk to companies, and frankly, if you look in the press, you're seeing the same thing. Collaboration is key. And there's a huge consortium focus. So in North America, we've got Cyclix, which is a consortium that a number of major petrochemical companies are part of. You've got Pyrolex, which is in Europe. You've got Bottle, which is US Department of Energy. Amazon, in fact, is one of the big companies that's part of that. So This recognition that, number one, there is no single solution that one company cannot solve this problem. And so why do people go into these collaboration and these consortiums? One is just to kind of focus and harness resources and harnessing the best minds and the best ideas and the best opportunities, right? So the power in numbers. Two is to really create an alignment of standards and regulations. There is huge fragmentation, not just in the U.S., but over the globe in terms of what the standards are, how you measure it, how you report against it in terms of recycling standards, reuse standards, et cetera. So by pooling together and creating these consortiums, companies are able to better affect change, have a bigger voice and impact, more data to be able to drive alignment of standards and regulations to be really able to focus in and boost the sustainability. I think we see a lot 
of the collaboration really coming around advanced recycling. And certainly in the U.S., ACC is really taking the lead on helping to drive support for advanced recycling, which is a critical enabler of circularity across the plastics value chain. The first tactic that companies are using, obviously, here is collaboration. I want to make sure I make note of, because it feels like right now we're seeing a huge boost in consortium-focused collaboration around advanced recycling and kind of that tail end of how do we handle the materials that are in the environment in our world that we want to recycle, reduce, recycle, reuse, et cetera. In the middle, and Alliance to End Plastics Waste, it's a great one to highlight. They've been around for a few years. And they are really focusing on the middle ground to create opportunity for consumer recycling around the world, right? So this recognition that a big part of the issue that we have is consistency of recycling, waste bins, recycling standards. And that's an area that the Alliance to End Plastic Waste is helping focus on. And a number of our global players are part of that organization, members and supporters of it to make that happen. The second piece and the second strategy or tactic that companies are taking, I would say, is education. And it's really around communication and storytelling. And I will be the first to say, I think there's still a huge gap here. The chemical industry has a long way to go. But when we think about education, education for consumers, education for investors, education for employees, and education across the value chain. How does that show up? Number one, it's around ESG reporting or sustainability reports, right? Some companies have been doing this for a long time. Some companies are now starting to just really jump into this. It's become a requirement. ESG is the buzz and ESG reporting is getting more and more critical for both public and private companies. But ESG reporting, sustainability reports, they are an element of storytelling that the industry and companies can provide right, about what the inherent circularity is within that company or within your manufacturing sites. Efficiencies that we already see. We know that our industry has improved efficiency over the year with efficiency is sustainability and circularity, right? So when I talked with someone recently, I think it was Calvin Emanuel talked about the fact that, you know, hey, inherently, Our industry is built on engineers and chemists and business people who recognize that inefficiency is costly. And so the chemical industry is built in many ways on this efficiency, which is around reuse. When a process generates heat, we figure out how to take that heat and bring it back into the process elsewhere, right? As steam or as other aspects to make a more efficient process. Reducing leaks, not just because they impact the environment, but because uh, we're losing critical product or raw materials and we want to contain it. Through the years, I mean, I think we've all seen this. Our processes are more efficient. They are cleaner. And that inherently creates more sustainability. And so part of the whole aspect of ESG and sustainability reporting is reporting on that. Um, It's setting a baseline. It's talking about progress. It's demonstrating the things that we do. The other side of education that still has a way to go, some companies are doing some really amazing work on it, is around the benefits, right? So I think for a long time, the chemical industry has had a blind spot about the need to tell its story. And and it's 
It's the, well, of course our products are good, right? Of course we're doing good work. We're helping to clean the world. We are making things more efficient, et cetera. And there's been an assumption that people, the population, government, regulators, businesses around us recognize the benefits. And so we haven't told our story very well, right? So some companies are starting to tackle this. I think one that comes to mind is Epsilite, who I recently hosted John Timbers, the chief sustainability officer for Epsilite on the podcast. Epsilite, as you may know, is a manufacturer of EPS, expanded polystyrene, often known by the brand name of Styrofoam. It is a product that has a bad name, likes to be hated everywhere. And, you know, so you hear all kinds of things like we should get rid of the product, we should ban the product, we should do whatever. No, we should educate people about the use and the proper use of the product. So what's interesting with that is today, about 67% of EPS goes into durable goods, much of it insulation, home and building insulation, which then lowers energy consumption, lowers greenhouse gas emissions helps the world be more sustainable, increases sustainability profile of not just the industry, but the individual companies and individual people's homes, et cetera, that are using it. Figuring out how to educate the industry and the individuals around not blanketing a product and labeling it as bad, but rather, hey, these are the benefits of it and let's make sure we're using it correctly. EPS and durable goods, great. I think even people that make EPS would recognize that, hey, we need to have a better solution when it comes to packaging, food packaging, single-use products. It's still in use. It will continue to be in use. Um, If any of you guys are in Texas, you'll know that Whataburger likes to deliver their drinks in nice EPS foam cups that keep it cold. Is it the right answer? Maybe yes, maybe no. I think, and there are some products that are coming out some EPS products that are more environmentally friendly, biodegradable without impacting the environment, et cetera. So, but figuring out how to, to, number one, educate customers, markets, regulators, consumers about sustainability in the industry, about how products are benefiting sustainability, reducing energy use, reducing greenhouse gas, gas, gas emissions more broadly still is critical. The third area in strategy and tactic that chemical companies are taking as it relates sustainability is design. I was recently participated in a month-long event that BASF provided for their company and their customers and people in the industry called Sustainable Dubai Design. And it really, in many ways, was a bit of an aha to me It made sense. Inherently, I understood some of this aspect of sustainable by design, but it also made me rethink the different angles. So there's a couple of aspects of this that are about design. So number one, I've already touched on this. Chemical plant designs are designed for sustainability. Sustainability via efficient operations, reduced leaks, reduced energy consumption, maximizing raw material to finished product conversion. That aspect of efficiency also equates to sustainability. And really, we have been designing that way forever, decades, hundreds of years, as long as the chemical industry has been involved around in all of its shapes and forms. That's one aspect. The other aspect is really around partnering with customers and suppliers to design for sustainability. 
And what do I mean by that? It's really a rethinking of products, maybe consumer products, business products, durable products, and the chemicals and the interfaces that go into it. One example, a couple examples that come up, one is Steelcase, which is a large manufacturer of office equipment. Something like historically office chair has like 72 components, 72. Like that's a lot. Who would have thought it? And how do you at the end of life understand how you recycle 72 components? They're coming up with some ways to educate consumers and to plan for it. But the other flip side is designing for sustainability. When you start at the beginning of your design process, what are the materials that you're using that are readily recyclable, sustainable, durable, and designed for that? Can you limit the use of certain products or just make it simpler for consumers, businesses, end of life to actually recycle, reuse, create a more sustainable environment? And they're doing that with some of their office chairs where they are becoming single component chairs that are made of recyclable material and then are able to be recycled at end of life. So end to end, coming from a plastic into a durable good and exiting as a plastic into advanced recycling. The other area that we talk about, it's become really apparent to me personally, is things like labels, right? So we are all getting, maybe not you guys, maybe it's just me. I think it's everybody getting a multitude of products in the mail, shipped delivery, and coming in plastic packaging that the packaging itself is recyclable. Got the little labels or a symbol on it. And then the mailing label that's affixed to it is often the big question mark. How recyclable is that label? So we're seeing consortiums and we're seeing a partnership across businesses to ensure that that aspect of it is also recyclable, right? So sustainable by design is around starting at the beginning and thinking about what the use case is and what that end case is. And so I think that's the third area that companies are focusing in on is design, not just of their own facilities, but also with their customers. How can we have products together that are more sustainable, that are designed upfront to have a lower emissions profile, a higher recyclability profile, et cetera. What we know is today, more than inside the North America, more than 400 brands have pledged to increase the use of recycled plastics in consumer products and packaging. That requires a design focus, both on the consumer products company, but also on the chemical industry as a supplier. And of course, when we look across the globe, that increases. So there's still a significant gap. I think this is what's interesting to me is this is a growing area. I talked to an executive recently who said 10 years ago, his role had almost nothing to do with sustainability. And today, as the leader of a global business, he is spends 75% of his time thinking about sustainability or having facets of his role focusing on sustainability. And that's a significant difference. And yet when we look across our employee base, I did a recent informal survey with a group of people in the industry. Average people are spending less than 25% of their role contributes to corporate sustainability goals. And this was mostly major big corporations that have some pretty big goals. That was part of the the pool that was used for this survey. 
So we still have a long way to go. I mean, I think it's today, if it's 25%, again, that is way more than a decade ago. A decade ago, sustainability was in the hands of the sustainability office, whoever that was. So I think there's a huge recognition that sustainability is part of everyone's job today to some degree, if not a high percentage, at least of a smaller percentage. And there is a continued focus and growth that we're going to be seeing over the coming decade, especially as we approach collectively these 2030 goals that are set across all countries, right? So we see it in the US, we see it in Asia, we see it in Europe. 2030 is a really pivotal year and the road to 2030 as it relates to ESG and sustainability is pivotal. That's what I'm seeing today. So kind of three big areas that companies are focusing in on when they think about sustainability and it's the approaches around collaboration, education, and design. So anyway, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and let me know, how is your company? How are you tackling sustainability? Are you hitting one or all of these three areas or is there something I'm missing? Let me know, shoot me an email, send me a LinkedIn message, and I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, thanks for listening to today's podcast. Keep liking, following, sharing, and listening. Your listening and your sharing and commenting matters. So we appreciate that and have a great day. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.